The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. You're listening to the Startup Secret Show for Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, John North, and my very special guest today is Robert Jabalia. I'd love to get you to help me with this one, man. Sorry. <laughs> How do you pronounce I'm used it? to it. Siglum Paglia. Siglum Paglia. There you go. I got it. <laughs> I said it really quick. So welcome to the show, and it's it's um, it's great to talk to you because you've got a really interesting background. Um, you're a you actually can say you're a, you play a lawyer on TV because you're actually a lawyer and a, and an actor. So that's quite an interesting kind of scenario. So uh, we can dig into that for sure. Sure, great to be here. Thanks. Cool. So um, your background: Did you start as a lawyer and then become an actor, or did you start as an actor and become a lawyer? I'm guessing probably the other way around. But I started as a lawyer. And um, I became a voiceover artist, right? which is a faction of acting. And then I started doing on camera after that and theater. So that was the order of things. Okay. So you should have got, a, you should have got the job of Better Call Saul. You would have been more qualified, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty qualified now, I think, but I don't, I don't know how he stays in practice. When things like <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't give you guys a good name at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. In fact, we played clips of that at the Bar Association during the ethics class. So. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Cleese, when they used to have the um, Faulty Towers, he used to actually, that was built as a sales training video to train people on what, what to do. So, right, exactly. Yeah, so it's quite bizarre. I think the crazy thing about lawyering is it's a pretty boring job, really, at the end of the day. Like, there's not like on TV where they wrap it all up in an hour. Like, there's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of work. I wouldn't call it, it's, it's some parts are boring. I'm, I like what I do. I enjoy what I do. Yeah. Yep. It depends on the area. If you're able to um, be fortunate enough as, as me and be able to pick the areas of law you want to practice, then it's, mm. I find it very interesting. But it is a lot of work. Mm. You know, and that's why the, the Grillian Law School <laughs> to get you, get you used to all the, all the work. Yeah, so. get, you, get you ready. <laughs> so um, give us a bit of a story about where you, like, what, you, what you've done in all, to get to where you were. So you started as a lawyer. Did you start off as a lawyer in the first place or did you like you go to law school and end up as a lawyer in the end or was there sort of a transition from there? No, I, I, I right out of, um, after I graduated college, I went to law school. I didn't take any time off or anything. Then I became a lawyer um, and I was practicing for about 10 years or so. Let me think. About 15 years I was practicing. Goes fast. And um, <laughs> it goes very fast. Yeah. And um, so I was just, you know, was kind of in a rut. Day to day job, mm. more than four, much more than 40 hours a week job, you know, probably 60 to 80 uh, hours. So I was getting a little burned out. 
So uh, I always, I always, I was a DJ back in college. Um, I always, I, I always was kind of behind the scenes on any of the, of the plays or the shows where I would be the tech. I'd be, you know, I'd work the tech, I'd work the camera, I'd work the soundboard, whatever. So I always had that little interest in the arts. So one day I, I was just um, flipping through an adult education um, manual that uh, was here that, that came in the mail. Um, and I had, I had done a couple other adult education things in the past. I had taken like a golf um, class on golf and, you know, a couple other things. So I, I, I came across a, a class on voiceover and it, you know, basically said, you know, have you ever wanted to act with your voice, make money with your voice, be a cartoon character, do commercials, you know, come try it out. So that's what I did. I signed up and um, I took the, uh, I took the class and I, I, I fell in love with voice stars. I wanted to, I wanted to pursue it. Um, like I really thought I could do it. It, uh, it became a passion. So I, t- I took some more training. I um, ended up doing a demo, a couple of demos for commercial narration. And at the time when I started about 15 years ago, that's when the websites were starting to pop up so that you can do auditions from, from your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your, you, know, you could also buy equipment. It was equipment was getting cheaper to buy, so that you could do recordings from from your house. Because you used so to do all in a really proper studio, right? Like you know, the equipment was very expensive, and you couldn't do it. Exactly right. The equipment now you can get from home equals the equipment from you know huge million dollar studios. You know, back years ago, mm. um, you know, for a fraction of the cost with yeah. the same quality because it's it's digital. So. Yeah. Um, so basically what I started, I did some auditions and, um, I got a, I got a gig pretty quickly, like about a month after I was auditioning and it was for the American experience, um, series on PBS national series. Camel Scott is, is the narrator of that, that show. And I got picked to do a couple of, uh, of foreign voices where I did the English overdubs. So I got to go down to Broadway Sound right at the uh, Rockefeller Center. Um, That's where that's where they do the the post for Saturday Night Live right in those studios. And that's how how I started started my my voiceover career. And um, And from there, I just started doing acting after that. And, you know, things kind of just took off. From there, so. I guess at the end of the day, like you know, acting obviously actors spend a lot of time on voice because that's something that's you know, yes. people hear that <laughs> hear the voice before they see the thing. And I always <laughs> people like you can have a really bad video, but if you've got bad audio, you can you're doomed, <laughs> like correct. You know, you people will sacrifice video for audio, but they won't do it the other way around, correct? Yeah, and, and voice is one of the that's one of the, the basis, the foundations for acting voice, and then of course, there's movement. Um, and emotion, you know, when, you know, when you start to get onto on camera things and theater and it all relates back to voiceover too, you know, voiceover is acting. It's a form of acting with its own techniques and they all have their own, they all have their own little techniques to them, voiceover versus film versus TV versus theater. So I studied all of those, all of those things, all those different things, you know, and it all comes back down to acting, mm-hmm. you know, you know, again, voice movements, yeah. um, those are all integral parts, you know, same thing as, as an attorney, you know, you, you need to be able to speak. You need to be able to, you know, stay still when you need to stay still, you know, not move around to distract, <laughs> the, poker distract face, right? the jury. <laughs> the poker face. Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And I guess that's why, the, 
why well, lawyers skills over go so well on TV, right? Because it's a very emotional, you know, like a, it's a it's a good storyline to work off when you're talking about lawyers because at the end of the day you can, um, you know, you've got that whole range of things going on that that connects everything together, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah, and, and lawyers are, are what they're trying to do is obviously make a connection with mm-hmm. the the jury to tell their client's story. You know, that's basically what you're doing as an actor. You're telling the writer's story, making a connection to to the audience. That's it's very similar. Um, that's about where the similarities end because, <laughs> you know, acting uses a much more emotional, mm. deep, ex, you know, experience. You have to go really deep emotionally mm. to, to um, do a, a lot of the characters. You know, I can play an attorney easily, like you said. <laughs> I don't need to make it a, an you emotional know what's action. You actually know the law. Like, <laughs> what's that? It's at least you know the law. At least you can say, well, okay, that can't be right. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get called yeah. to play attorneys all the time, you know, and that's yeah. that, you know, that, that doesn't take much emotional connecting because it's, you know, I know it very well. So, um, you know, other characters um, where I play a you know, depressed dad or yeah. um, a serial killer, so, you know, something like that obviously takes a lot more. There's a lot more work involved yeah. in um, learning the character. So, and I think the other thing too with like um, with acting is that it, it can be quite repetitive because if, particularly when you're doing those sort of shows. Like I remember as a kid, I went and watched this movie, a uh, movie being filmed called The Irishman, which is a long, long time ago. Now I was like, I was in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I was still in Australia. What are you doing in Charters Towers? <laughs> oh, the Irishman? Yeah, so not the new one. This is um, not the new one. Gotcha. I gave you and that gotcha. one very good work. Um, this was a really old Australian show that they filmed a movie, a film years and years ago. God, I don't know how long ago now. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Those are the new ones. I was still at high school. I, still, I think I was at primary school, and I actually went as a little excursion to go and see this this thing being filmed. And we were there for like two hours and they filmed the same scene over and over and over again. And, yep. and, and I think people don't ever appreciate the amount of work that goes into filming two minutes. You know, like Correct. it's not, you know, the amount of times they take it and redo it. And then, yeah, it's not the not the easiest gig. It's not the thing that people would think it is when they go, oh, I'll just show no. a bit of acting and go home. They're out for the yep. time hours you know like it's not a not not so not as glamorous as it seems that's for sure yeah they 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 average about five pages a day filming mm. that's the average so you know they have to do different obviously different shots different angles uh close-ups and so mm. all that they have to keep setting up the lights every time they do one of those different shots so that, that's why it takes so long mm. so and plus you have to you know, they, they, no director wants just one take, you know, they want multiple takes so that uh, <laughs> the, the editor, well, so the editors can choose too. They want to be able to make a choice on what they, what they like better, what fits better. You know, it's, it's definitely a whole, um, it's art and science at the, at the same <laughs> time. So, and then nowadays, um, TV is becoming far more, more like movies. Like they, you know, a lot of the series are put together, a lot of these you know, DC stuff and everything are so, so sophisticated in what they do that, and he managed to put an almost a film a movie every week, so it's it's certainly come a long way. Yeah, from the so oh, absolutely. You talked about TikTok before, like you you actually um and I guess this is the big tech conversation because it's probably something that I sort of like worry about and and I think is that big tech is getting so much more control over your life. And I was reading something the other day that said, <clears throat> let's say you've got a um, a Google login and Google decides to ban you. Um, and you use your login to control your house and your and your security system and all that sort of stuff. Now you've lost control of everything that you're actually telling yeah. 
own. And so I think True. there's a, a wake-up call for privacy and and obviously this whole big tech controlling your life thing. So tell me a bit about the whole the TikTok story because it's sort of quite an interesting thing. It kind of yeah, sure. That's my that's my uh, that's my legal life. Yeah, my let's lawyer switch life. Out to your legal life so, for a second here. <laughs> so you know, I'm a voiceover artist. So um, many of the voiceover artists come to me for advice, or if something happens legally, they'll come to me so I can represent them. So. Um, what happened was the original voice of TikTok is a voiceover artist that I know, one of my friends out of um, Canada. And she discovered that uh, TikTok was using her voice for the text-to-speech feature. Wow. Um, and she, she didn't give them permission to use her voice. She had done another job back in, I don't know, 2018 years ago um, for she had done just recorded the lines for them that was supposed to be for a translation type of job. That's what they told her. And, and then apparently a TikTok bought this, these files from this company. And um, so my client ended up, she ended up as the voice of TikTok, the text to speech voice. So we, uh, we filed a lawsuit to try to get her some compensation. Um, and they, they took her voice off now, which is, it's good for the time being, but mm. you know, we're, we're, we're working towards getting her back up there and getting some compensation for yeah. her. For the use of her, her voice. Over, or any of this sort of work, right? There's the, what people don't understand is that when you when you do a job, then technically often there's royalties attached to that or, or annual renewals and things around that. So it's not just a case that you just did a voice job and you get paid. There's there's more to it, right? Well, it, it, it could be where you don't necessarily get residuals, but you should get paid fairly for the usage of, of the job. So you know, if it's a job that's going to be like that, TikTok, where it's going to be used in all, all around the world from anybody who wants to, to use your voice, you, you know, the pay should be, you should get paid accordingly to, sure. to how it's being used. So it could be paid up front or it could be paid in residuals over time. However, you know, it doesn't really matter the method. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, like stealing your, it's like stealing something out of your house, right? Same principle. They've taken something that you technically own. Right. Ex exactly. Or, you know, it's like, um, you know, giving you five cents for the original constitution of the United States, that kind of thing, you know? So you, you're giving away something, the million dollars of value away for, for five cents, you know, under, under some kind of uh, false pretense. So that, that's how I equate this, mm. but it's also, it's also, you know, the artificial intelligence side of things. That's the scary part. Yes. Because, technology is getting good enough now where you don't even really need to know that you're recording files. Like, like this podcast, for, for example, yep. technology is good enough where they can go take your voice and just yep. take all these old files and then they can create text to speech. Yeah. Synthetic voice of you, you know, so you can be saying things on some other website, you know, that was constructed you know, buy a script that someone uploads. So exactly. So that's it's quite scary, funny. I had a guy do this voiceover for me on LinkedIn. He just offered to do it right, and I played it to someone, a couple of people, and they go, "Oh, that sounds like a robot did it." And I said, "No, that's a human did it." And it's like now they can't tell the difference. Like now they think it's a robot and it's a human. Right now, right. big trouble. Right. It's getting it's getting very the very the the um, robot voices, or the, as you say, the, the mm. text to speech voices are getting they're getting very sophisticated. So. You know, actually, the, the technology is there where you can't even tell anymore. It, it doesn't sound like doesn't sound like a robot anymore. No, you no, know, like the exactly, yeah, like uh, because what they can do now in film, um, 
speaking of acting in film mm. is they can they can take the uh soundtrack so so an, an actor acts an entire film and they can take that the sound that they recorded for that film and they can have the computer come in and do the uh the dialogue replacement at the end so if they need to replace a line or something like that they can have what was they can they don't need the actor to come in anymore wow they can do it by by computer so that's one of the one of the uh the way that technology AI, basically it's, it's actually teaching an IO how to speak your own exactly it's artificial yeah. intelligence it's much it's much more sophisticated than just you know text to speech like uh you know like the Siri voice or the mm. the GPS voices it's much more sophisticated now so Siri was actually um originally this the, the voice of Siri was an Australian did you know that yes <laughs> like, yeah which most people she don't realize because obviously her accents yeah she was living in Canada or something she originally did the thing but I see now that Siri's got all sorts of options now for voicing but um, yeah, it was a real voice. And, and I think, so do you see this, like if, if they're doing like animation is now so good that it's almost lifelike, um, yep. and, and they've done these deep fakes now with various movies where people have passed away and they've actually like Star Wars, they put people in, um, to these movies and, and they weren't even, you know, they weren't even real in the first place in terms of right. they weren't even there they were actually deceased. Right. You know? So do you see this whole industry kind of changing to something? Like, is there going to be a lot of, you know, even more unemployed actors and voiceover artists in the future? Do you, do you think there's going to be yeah. a, a shift there? I'm glad you asked the question. I just came back from a, a voiceover conference in Dallas, and I was on the panel for artificial intelligence. And this was one of the questions that we were answering. And they, the panel was trying to figure out a way. One of the people on the panel are actually people that uh, the company that creates these synthetic voices. Oh, okay. So the panel was discussing how it, <laughs> well, was discussing how it can be done without putting the voiceover artist or the actor out of business. And mm -hmm. one of the consensus that um, the industry wants to see happen is to create a, uh, like a clone, a synthetic voice yeah. that can do the voices but still get paid residuals for the war you know for the voices that are done so that's that's one way that you, you can to start somewhere right? you just start with a real voice in the first place right right you take the real voice they record all the files and then they have a they'll have a a clone a clone voice i call it it's called a synthetic voice and then they can have their their clone do doing work you know automated and they'll get paid for each whatever is read whatever script is read that's one way that they're trying to incorporate the technology so that the actors, you know, still can get revenue out of it. That was one, one thing that was discussed and, you know, who knows where it's going to go, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it could, it has the potential obviously to, to put, uh, put people out of work. So hopefully, hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully they'll, they'll do it ethically. So people wanting the real thing, like what I've, what I found is that when you do um, something that's a bit rough around the edges and, 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 you know, that sort of stuff, people appreciate that kind of rawness. And obviously that's why reality TV does so well um, and, it's, and it's cheap to produce. So I think at the end of the day, right. they're assuming that they're saving money and doing stuff, but will the ultimate audience turn around and go, look, I'm not listening to a computer. I don't want to well, listen right to a Well, right now, that, that's yeah. the debate right now. Like that's, that's the consideration right now. But as... The, in the future, there's not going to be, you're not going to be able to tell. Mm. You're not going to be able to tell the difference. So that that's where it's going to get, where we're going to need some kind of safeguards because the computers are getting so good now and the artificial intelligence is getting so good. You will not be able to tell that if that it was pieced together like you can now. Mm. 
Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. But that technology is advancing very fast. Yes. So it's... It, uh... You know, you you'll won't be when you hear a recording. You won't be able to tell if it was recorded live or if it was if it was a synthetic voice. So that that's the scary part. And the, and the trouble with AI is that it's 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 going into all sorts of areas. I mean, I've done watched a bit of stuff about this, but the reality is that if you have um, AIs can replace jobs. And I was reading this book about this concept mm-hmm. that about every ten years, the role the jobs will change dramatically so you could work from being you know 10 years ago you'd be a lawnmower repairman and now you have to be a drone engineer and and that's a big shift between one and another i mean going from being a lawyer to voiceover doesn't seem like much but there's a lot to it right um and in years of training and, and all that sort of stuff so the concern here is that when people have to shift from one major profession to another they're going to need time to train and they're not, no one's going to pay for that. So you're basically going to be unemployed um, during a period of time to relearn. And the old job's not available anymore. And so you could actually become what they call a generation of useless people in that they don't have anything that, that they can actually do because those jobs have been taken away from them and they don't have the time or the skill set to learn something new. Yeah, it, it's very true. I was just talking to a friend of mine um, today who uh, he, one of, he's, um, he oversees the Mercedes factory. Um, you know, he does the logistics. So he went to visit the factory and he was telling me, you know, like most of the factory now, there's not, there's on the assembly line, there's, it's all ro- robots. There's no people yeah. that used to do all those jobs, you know, in Detroit, they used to, you know, so now there's very few people at the end that come in to do some of the stuff, but you know, it, it's, it's all replaced by technology. So, I mean, why can't uh, a synthetic voice replace a human i mean mm. if it could be done in them with a car you can build a voice right and i think so i mean it becomes an opportunity at the same time for an entrepreneur because when you look at the sure the way that things are shifting the question you've got to ask yourself is well what's the future look like will anybody have any money to spend on buying anything <laughs> are they all, all going to be either working for large corporations and these big tech guys or is there a way to kind of build something and take advantage of the of the you know of what's going to come, and, and right. a tricky one. Like I don't know, you know, you can't really predict the future. And the trouble is, you don't you think you know what's going to happen in the future, but it doesn't happen the way you think. <laughs> right, of course. I mean, but but every technology does create different jobs, so mm. there will be there definitely will be opportunities. What they will be, you know, like just voiceover alone. That's a perfect example. You know, the technology's gotten so so good that you can record studio quality broadcast quality from home i'm sure many things that you see on tv commercials or even narrations for um uh, documentaries mm. were done out of a someone's home studio mm. you know in broadcast quality so that technology well, that's maybe. over the past 10 or 15 years same kind of thing so we all just create content for each other to watch and we'll do nothing else get paid by the government to sit there and your bum watch netflix all day <laughs> Sure, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> like a plan, right? So, um, so what's what's in the future for you right now? Is it um, where's your do you do so voiceover is kind of like your side gig that you do to thing, or is it something like you'd like to kind of make it a full time job? Or what's your what's your plan? Well, 
so I also produce, I produce films and TV shows. So I, I do just as, I do a good mix of lawyering, acting and producing. That's a, a good, very good mix. makes a very interesting day. I would imagine if you're switching between all three in one day too sometimes. <laughs> and, I, and I do, I do. And today was a perfect example. I had two voiceover auditions that came in that I had to record. I had an on-camera audition that came in that I had to record. And I had plenty of legal work that I had to record. And I just had a, I had a meeting for a, a film that we're producing next month. So oh, today was one of those days where yeah. it was ran the gamut. Um, you know, but it, it makes it, it, like you said, it makes it interesting for me. Yeah. Um, and they all, they all do, they all do interrelate. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the legal was how I got into everything. So that was because I learned the, I learned the business through the legal side. So that was how I was able to branch out to be a producer, mm. you know, cause I would be, I would represent a lot of filmmakers that wanted like, you know, union papers done or, or web contracts. Of on there, right? <laughs> you got a web of intrigue in there. On right. There. Right. Right. So then eventually I just, they asked me to produce some things mm. and that's how I became, that's how I became a producer. Mm. So, um, so I, I could do the business side and the, the arts side, which is where well, that makes me kind of unique because yeah. I can do, you know, I, I can even act in my, act in my films. You know, I try to find films that have a good part that I can play. So that's nice. another way I can control my career. Controlling your own so, destiny. I think that's an interesting thing. Like, um, to be able to like you see that nowadays with artists and stuff like that there was something said um about the concept that when when you know music is produced and you go through a distribution and you get distributed by one of the major guys that artist makes very little money out of it and so the people right. who are suing for 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 uh, royalties or suing for um for rights are those usually the distributor not the artist and so the artist self produces and produces it themselves they get to keep all the money and so you've, right. you've got this whole shift between the artist now not necessarily relying on distribution. Same things happen in books with Amazon. Um, yep. Same now it's happening in films and TV. That's what yeah. I do. So it so opens I, up and you've got all this streaming TV. So once upon a time, right. you have a few channels to come on. Now you can come on hundreds of them. Um, yep. So I think it's a huge opportunity for people to self-produce, self-create when some producer would say, oh, no, you're horrible. You're not going on. You're not putting you on that. Whereas then you can say, oh, I can do it. Like Rocky, I suppose, is a probably classic example of that. And he had to fight the real big boys to get it. So right. certainly that's a huge opportunity. And I think it's interesting what you've done is kind of melded <laughs> the, the various things you want to do into, into your own little world, if you like. And you've got, mm-hmm. you can switch out between the two. So I think that's a, probably a smart way to sort of future-proof yourself in some respects. Because unless you can always duck out if something just gets, goes wrong, the, you know, voiceovers suddenly become hard, then you can always switch to something else. Right. Or I go with what's, you know, I go with what's hot, what's hot at the time, you know, like is all businesses ebb and flow. So I, well, the, the ideal thing is to have one of the businesses being uh, plentiful, and, you know, another business maybe down at the time. So that's, that's, that's the, the ideal goal. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's, uh, you know, it's, it's just Better more oars in the water basically. For, <laughs> so Better to have a plan, right? <laughs> So. Oh, exactly. I mean, and, and stuff I all love doing. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's not leaving like it's, it doesn't feel like work at all. So, so I'll ask you, ask you a question. There's probably for entrepreneurs, right? Legal to me is the trickiest mm-hmm. bit for most people. Most right. people don't get legal advice when they should have got legal advice. Um, yep. And other people, you know, like they they go to legal advice every five minutes. So I call them a hypochondriac. So as soon as they want to, <laughs> you probably get this in your clients. So they start getting your checks up. So what are you checking this for? It's obvious. 
What's the best yep. piece of advice you can give yep, someone from true. a legal perspective if if they're, um, I guess, writing legal agreements, they're signing legal agreements, they're doing all this sort of stuff? Do, do you get that sort of scenario? What's the best piece of advice you can get? Because obviously you can spend a lot of money on legal advice and get no result, right? Right, right. So the best piece of legal advice I can give is to know when you need legal advice. <laughs> To, to become experienced enough to know, because, you know, if you're going to, if you, people shouldn't set up their own LLCs. Like I see that all the time. Mm-hmm. They should let, let their professional, their accountant or their lawyer handle that. One mistake um, there. That's a big bad idea, right? <laughs> right. And you're not, and you're not going to find out that you made a mistake until you're sitting in court. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you're going to find out. So anytime you have a contract that you either have to, to draft or sign, if you want to draft it yourself, let your lawyer look at it first before, before it goes out. Or if it comes in, if it's coming in, you should definitely have someone review it because I can, I can almost guarantee you when you get a contract in from a client that there's going to be things in there that have to be changed mm-hmm. because it's going to favor the, it's going to favor the client. The client's lawyer wrote it yep. and it's going to be all one-sided. So there's going to be things in there that you need to change. So if you, well, not, if, if you're ex- Lisa building, you know, like the pieces give the guys giving you the lease is there's all pitched for him, right? It's not for the right. person exactly. Yeah. So if you're experienced enough as an entrepreneur in that business, you know the changes to make, great. But if you don't, then you should have your lawyer do it for you. And the other thing you can do is if you even if you are experienced enough, and I have clients like this, like you mentioned, I have very experienced entrepreneurs. They'll make the changes and then they'll send them over to me for a second look to make sure mm-hmm. that it, that they got everything and then I can make suggestions. And that is a fraction of the cost mm. of, you know, what it would cost to have me do it from scratch. So that's a way to use your attorney's uh, knowledge and not have to, you know, pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for it. So to keep, you know, keep the cost down. So, yeah, so that, I think that's that, the best piece of advice I could give. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think you always got to think about what's the worst can happen to me, right? If, if I sign this, what's going to, like I've signed some agreements over the years and I don't think it would have made any difference at the time. But when I looked at it, I thought to myself, what's the worst that can happen to me here? And if I can handle that, well then fair enough. Right. But well, if, if it's, not, if it's a, if it's a high ticket item, mm. you definitely should get a second set of eyes, you know? So if you're, if you're exposed for a lot of money, yep. either making it or having to pay out, and you should, you know, should have you should have someone look at it because you're going to be paying again a fraction of, of the, the worth of the, that contract. Mm. And you know you don't want to be, you don't want to be sitting a, as a defendant in a multi-million dollar or multi hundred thousand dollar or even ten thousand dollar lawsuit. Uh, so exactly, you know, if it's something that can be avoided, that's mm. you know that that's what you pay your attorney for. That's that's our job. So and people people are more litigious than ever. I mean, you know, I think it, we've probably rubbed off a little bit in Australia now. Like it's probably not as bad in Australia than it was in the US, but it's getting worse now because people, you know, people are willing to go to court for almost anything now. So, you know, you, you, just to be a nu- nuisance in some respects, just to get a better deal. Right? <laughs> I mean, in the, for personal personal things, you know, people are definitely more litigious, mm. but for business dealings. I think that's pretty consistent because like if someone breaches a contract and they're losing money, they're going to bring a lawsuit or they're going to do something to try to recover their money. Mm. So I, I think that that's a little different for business mm. than it is for on the personal side like, for yeah. litigation. Like, yeah. And I mean, normally you don't do it to annoy someone unless you're really up for a fight, but at the end of the day, it's, um, yeah. Or if there's a lot of money involved. Yeah, exactly. The reason. Right. Like if there's a small sum, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to get sued over a small sum, but you yeah. still may have, 
have to answer a, you know, a legal letter or something like that. So, you know, cause money's money and businesses are going, they're not just going to walk away from money. If someone breached a contract, they're going to try to try get luck. the money back. Yeah, try luck. You know? Right. Exactly. Maybe the company's out of business and so they're not going to pursue it, but you know, there's business is a little different. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see inflated litigation in business, but I do see inflated litigation for personal things. Yeah, definitely. So, so thank you so much for coming on. Um, so you've got a, um, I guess a bit of shameless promotion. You've got a book. Um, I yes. The name of that book it's called. Let me tell me. Tell me the name of the book. Voiceover Legal. I think it's. Called. Yes. Okay. So Voice that's over legal. Correct. That's a an Amazon best-selling yeah. book. Um, and what's the best way to get in touch with someone who wants to talk to you? I'm not sure what they want to talk to you about. Who are you looking for? <laughs> Who'd you like to get? <laughs> well, give you, Stolberg, which I can't really arrange, but <laughs> I'll give you both my website. So my, okay, my cool. law website is R O B S C I G E S Q dot com. That's my law. Cool. Uh, my acting is R O B P A G L I A Rob Peglia dot com. That's my oh. acting site. Oh, right. My stage name Peglia. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a better plan, right? Uh, cool. we'll a little those, easier to pronounce. Yeah. yeah, we'll put those links up as well so people can, can find them if they haven't listened properly because a lot of people pay, less, pay attention. So I really appreciate your time. And um, maybe we'll get you back soon when we have a have a next exciting inst- installment on your act. Great. Perhaps. Great. Yeah, I've got films that, uh, that are coming out. So and uh, I've got a couple on Prime. So I, I'd be glad to come back for sure. Well, thanks so much. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an Nippernor, make a start on your next great business idea today.